we're wrapping up our family portrait series today, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, but before we get there, like I said a moment ago, my little family, and, and I say little family because if a Scion XB can be your family of five's family vehicle, then you are a little family. Um, we are little people. Um, but we just ended our vacation uh, this week, and we had the greatest time. We didn't take a big trip or anything, uh, but we just visited family, and we did some simple things, but we had the most fun. Let me show you my most favorite part of the trip. Yeah, I don't look like I'm excited there, um, but but I am. <laughs> and and But the reason why I say that is, is being together. That was my most favorite part of the trip. It wasn't going and doing things and seeing sights and, and all kinds of, it was just being together. Um, but b- before the, the trip, um, my family and I, we created, I don't know if you guys do this on road trips, but we created a playlist of songs. The, oh, these are the songs you gotta listen to as you're driving down the road, right? And so like we pr- created this playlist uh, of songs. Well, actually, Evie, my daughter, and I created this playlist. Like Kristen kept yelling at us, was like, "Will you guys stop doing that and help me pack?" And so, but but that was it. We had so much fun, um, and and so kind of going with the theme of of family portrait. That's me and and my my wife, beautiful wife Kristen, uh, our son Jackson in the back on that side. Jet is in the middle. He's four years old, and my daughter Evie is ten years old, and and I am super blessed with the best family. And um, so, anyways, um, but before we move on, kind of keeping with the theme of of this family portrait series, I want to show you. I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, um, but I am the youngest of six, and this is myself and my sibling. Well, my dad's in there too, but it, it goes. Me, the, the really good looking one on the end. And then it, my oldest sister is next to me. And then that's my dad who looks extre- extremely happy at the moment. <laughs> and then my oldest brother. And then the, all the insignificance on the other side. And <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're a middle child here, you know what that's like, right? Okay, maybe not. Because you, you don't have any room to talk. So um, I'm totally kidding. You guys lighten up a little bit today. Um, but I, I am the baby of our family. I'm the youngest of our family. And, and I figured out not long ago that I'm also the favorite. I, I don't know if you guys know this or not. But I, and, and here's the deal. It's not because I'm the baby. It probably is. But it's not because I'm the baby. It's because I live further away than the rest of my siblings. And so, like, the chances of everyone getting mad at me are very slim. And so, so since I live the furthest away, I'm the favorite, because not everybody sees me as much as they see each other. Okay, you can get that off of there. And, and so, um, but yeah, I've, I've got my, all my family, um, I, my parents, oldest sister, two of my brothers, they all live in the Tulsa area, have a sister in Oklahoma City, then I have a sister in the Dallas area. And so, um, so yeah, we... we don't all that picture was actually taken a year ago this last week at, at a niece's wedding and we rarely get the opportunity to get together all six of us but um but i love <clears throat> when our big family gets together for meals like at, at, at holiday time like at thanksgiving uh, at my parents house there easily be 40 45 50 people in the house 
counting my siblings, aunts and uncles, and, and their kids, and their kids, and like it's easily, it's packed, but it's so much fun. I love it. I love being together with all of our family, and, and, and it's, it's just the greatest time. Like, everyone's talking at the same time, and like, and, and if you're in the family, you got a seat at the table. Like, it, it's funny. I don't know if you guys do this, but to the in-laws, like, ah, uh, no, you, you stay over there. Like, just, we, I have a, a brother-in-law named Terry. We call him Jerry on purpose, um, just to give him a hard time, but, uh, but if you're in the family, you've got a seat at the table. Like, how many of you guys, like, your family, when you have these meals, big meals together, like, you have, like, the extra, the kids' table in a different room, in a different area, or, or the, it's like the plastic table that nobody really wants to sit at, right? And, and like, you, you've got the kids' table, and then eventually, you'll make it to the adult table, right? But you, you know how that happens, right? Like, someone's got to die, uh, unfortunately, and, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but like uh, being the youngest of six, you guys, it was a sad day, but at the same time, it was a joyous day that I got to set, I got arrived at the adult table <clears throat> in my family. So we sit around at a table with people that are family, but we also call them crazy right? You, you guys know what I'm talking about. We have all got those crazy people in our family. Every single family has a certain level of dysfunction, but you got to learn how to put the fun in dysfunctional, and, and every single family has that crazy aunt or uncle. Um, if you don't know who that is in your family, it's probably you. Um, <clears throat> So I, I started thinking about some qualities going with, with this family portrait series. I thought, started thinking about some qualities that every family has around the table. Every, family, every single family is different, but I think you could probably find these qualities in every single family. Well, the first thing is love. The first thing is love. Like myself and my family, as much as we argue and the kids fight, like, stop touching me, get on your side, leave me alone. Like, as much as we may argue and we may fight, there is legitimate love for each other. Like, I I love, like, my my oldest son and my daughter, they, they fight and they argue but not long ago in school, my daughter came home and she was kind of sad. There was a boy picking on her at school and my son was like, what's his name? And it's like, and like, you know, it was, it was the, it was the neatest thing. Like, cause he seriously got really upset. As much as he picks on her, you better not do that to her. You know what I'm saying? And, and so like, who, who was that kid? Like, like, I will go to that elementary school. I will punch a fourth grader. And so, and, you know, and, and so, but as much as we may argue and fight, there is legitimate love for each other. I love when my whole large family gets together and you can just feel the love in the room. Like the same thing with, with Kristen's family, when they all get together, it, it's so much fun. The second thing you have in family is conflict. You have not had an official family meal until there's been an official family fight. Am I right? 
Like, you've got the political activist at the table. Like, you've got the arguer at the table. You've got the person who just talks because they like to hear the sound of their own voice at the table. You've got the smacker at the table, and you want to smack them. And there are all kinds of different people at the table in your family at the house. And so, uh, <clears throat> there's so many different, different people. The third thing is this. There's confusion at the table. There's confusion. I'll, I'll never forget sitting down with, with Kristen and her family for Thanksgiving the very first time. We're, we're married, and like this is all we had just gotten married in, in October. Thanksgiving is right there, sitting down with her whole family for the first time. Everyone was there. Like my mom's side of the family, like people are pretty polite and nice, and, and they take turns talking most of the time. Um, but at Kristen's family, like everyone talks at the same time and they talk to you at the same time and and but like at Kristen's family like everyone talks and it's loud it's like one of the loudest events that I've, I've ever been to and 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 finally everyone's talking at the same time and everyone's really loud and then eventually Kristen's grandpa grandpa John he will yell out is anybody listening to me there's frustration at the table <laughs> That's the next thing. There's frustration at the table. Everybody has that family member who's always late. And it, it, it might be you. Um, I've got this cousin, Brenda, and who's late every single year. Uh, my, my grandmother, she, she's diabetic. So it's like she's, she's got to eat at this certain time. She's got this routine. My cousin puts her off of her schedule. And, like, I don't know why we don't tell her, like, we're having Thanksgiving breakfast. That way we could actually have Thanksgiving lunch at the, at the time. And, and she, we, we've all got that family member who frustrates us, who, who makes you angry. And then finally, the last thing is this, is connection. There's connection at the family table. And the connection is, is so deep that I can call my family crazy, but you better not. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you better not talk bad about my family. Like, I don't know if you saw that picture of, of me and my siblings, and, and I hope they don't listen to this later on, but I got some hillbillies in my family. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm part of that family. But you better not say that. Like, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, the family connection is something deeper. Like, for real, I grew up in Oklahoma, like, we got some hillbillies. And, and like, I, but I learned, I learned this, the, the connection, uh, the hard way. Um, one day, Kristen was kind of going on about her mom and how she was being controlling in a situation in our lives. And, and I chimed in and agreed. I should not have done that. Uh, I, I learned real fast that I should not have done that. I, I learned my lesson. But... Um, but as we talk about family portrait, see, often in the Bible, the church is referred to as a family. It's the body of Christ, the family. And I was thinking about the qualities of, of a family, and I got to thinking about uh, the qualities of a church. Because just like we have crazy, crazy families, we got crazy church people too. Amen? Amen. No point fingers. Don't look. Like, I started thinking we, we've got all of those qualities in our church as well. For example, we've got love in this room. I love 
the fact that people in this room love each other. They love each other. I, I love to see groups of you going out and bowling and, and hanging out together and, and doing things together and spending times together. I've seen groups of you weep and cry together and pray together and celebrate together. That's the church. I, you, you know what else we have in our church? We have conflict. We have conflict. And, and if here's the deal. And, and please don't take this the wrong way. But if you ever leave one church and go to another because there's conflict, you're crazy. You're like, I just want to be at a church where there's no conflict, where there's no drama. Like, give it time. If you're there long enough, there will be drama. It's family. It's what we do. We're, we're not perfect. We have not perfected this thing yet. But it's family. If you're there long enough, there will be drama. You, you will, uh, unfortunately, we're, we don't love it. We're, well, I'm not condoning this action, but you, you will be talked about. You will be judged. Um, there will be conflict. There, there will never, ever, ever, ever be a group of people who get together where there is zero conflict. Ever. One part of being a, a part of a, a great family is not the absence of conflict, but learning how to fight without the relationship being destroyed. There's confusion in the church, especially for first-timers. Like, I've heard this before. Excuse me, um, during the music time, why do all these people have questions? <laughs> oh, and some people even have two questions. <laughs> or, or like, I've, I've even heard this before, like, is this the house band? Do they play here every week? Like, you know, but some people, they're, they're, there's um, confusion. Sometimes in a church, uh, we use insider lingo. Like a minute ago when Pastor Nick was talking about JBQ, some of you, if you're first time here or you're not uh, from uh, generally here, you're like, JBQ, um, I don't even know what that means. Like so, and so we sometimes we had, and I'm thankful he explained that, but sometimes we have our insider lingo that not everyone understands. We try our best to not use that or to explain what terms are, but sometimes it just happens. We have frustration in the church. I just don't understand why they won't sing my song. That's my jam. That's on my road trip playlist. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is. Like, but sometimes there's, like, the coffee is terrible. Like, I, I don't know what the deal is for you. But sometimes there's frustration in the church. Why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? Or it's too hot. Or it's too cold. Or these seats are too comfortable. Like, I've never heard anybody expl- complain about the seats. Like, we're pretty blessed. But, but, and finally, we have connection. We have connection in the church. And, and the connection is deeper than I like you, you like me, let's be friends. The, the connection goes back to a bloodline. Amen. And his name is Jesus. And he sacrificed his life for us. And if we can't agree on anything else as a family, the one thing that we can agree on is that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Now here's this myth that people believe about the church that only, <clears throat> only people who have it all together are accepted at church. There's this, people actually believe the, you, you gotta have it all together to go to that church. 
Only people who are popular or only people who are important are accepted at church or, or people who are perfect are accepted at church. By a show of hands, let me see who, how many people are perfect here. Lies. Oh, we have well, the next family thing. We have our liars in the church. I just, I'm totally kidding. Um, <clears throat> but I got to tell you that it, it, nobody is perfect. I'm not perfect. Pastor Dennis isn't perfect. Any of you sitting out there are not perfect. And that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that you don't have to have it all together to be here, to be a part of the family. <clears throat> we all know this about everyone in this room, <clears throat> or all of us, <clears throat> at least once in our lives, spiritually, have felt like you're unsuccessful. You, you felt like you're spiritually unsuccessful. Like sometimes it, maybe it's not uh, praying daily, or maybe it's, it's not doing your daily devotion, or maybe it's not reading your Bible like you should be doing. Maybe it's not loving others, or maybe it's not loving God like what we should be doing. See, the myth is that I have to be completely successful to be able to sit at the table with Jesus, to be in the family with Jesus. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to catch this. In Christ, not every story is a success story, but every story is a love story. In Christ, not every story is a success story, but every story is a love story. See, the reason we can sit at the table with Christ is not because of our, our successes, but because of the sacrifice of the Savior. See, Jesus, he, he modeled this family idea for us with his disciples. Uh, Jesus had his family who he dearly loved, but he also had this group of, of disciples who were, who were with him all the time. And, and if, if you got your Bible today, we're going to look in the book of Matthew uh, 10, starting in verse 2. Uh, and, but when it, came to, when it came to family, when it came to Jesus' family, even, even Jesus had a crazy family. Like he had some straight up crazy people at his table. Like if you were to look at these guys and to judge on what they did or where they came from, we would probably say that these guys don't belong with Jesus at his table in his family, but they did. Let's read it, starting in verse two. It says, the name of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is, uh, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. See, this list right here is a list of crazy characters. But they were invited to be in Jesus' family. Not because of how successful they were, but because of how loved they were by him. <clears throat> Let's look at Matthew, the tax collector. <clears throat> now, here's the deal. Everybody, at some point in your life, it have, if it hasn't happened to you already, you will be betrayed by someone else. You'll be betrayed. Like, you, you'll, be, you'll be hurt. You'll be stabbed in the back. 
or you'll be shot in the back. If you love gun control, you probably prefer to be stabbed in the back. Um, and, and it just isn't good. But with Matthew, the tax collector, it, it wasn't a laughing matter. It wasn't a laughing matter because a, a tax collector in this society were people who, who totally turned their back on God. Like there was no hope for them. They were the worst kind of people, worst kind of people on the planet. But somehow, Matthew, the tax collector, he gets a seat at Jesus' table. Not because he was a tax collector, but because he's loved. See, there are some probably some people in this room who you've walked away from God. You, you do things you know you shouldn't do, or you say things that you shouldn't, or, or you look at things that you, you shouldn't look at, and, and maybe you feel like you're spiritually unsuccessful. But you know what? There's still room at the table for you in this family. Amen? You get your place at the table in the family because you're loved by Jesus Christ. See, if Matthew, the lowest of the low, had a place in Jesus' family, then no one in this room is disqualified from being in his family and sitting at Jesus' table. Not because you're perfect, but because you're loved. The next person I want to talk about is Simon the Zealot. Simon was probably the greatest hype man ever. Yeah, I don't know if you know what a hype man is. A hype man is a person who gets people excited about the main guy. You know what I'm talking about? Like they get the crowd pumped up and then now, like, and they introduce the, the person up. Like, like I could imagine Simon doing something like, ladies and gentlemen, a man who needs no introduction. You've never seen anyone until you've seen Jesus. He's done the impossible time after time. He hails from a manger in Bethlehem by way of heaven. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He heals the dead. He heals blind eyes. He casts out demons. He even walks on water. Get on your feet and welcome Jesus Christ like he's the greatest. Like you could see Simon, like he was zealous, like he was excited. You, you guys have those people in your life that no matter what they do, it's the greatest thing that's ever been done. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we, I had this cheeseburger. You guys, you have no idea. This cheese, it's the greatest, it's the best. It's fantastic. But like, like a, a, you, have you ever met a zealous person? Like, like climate change people? Um, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I'm sorry. Far, far left Republicans or, or, or far right Democrats or, or gluten-free people? Like they are zealous about their gluten-free stuff. Like typically, typically people who are highly opinionated and they're fired up about something. Like Simon, he was a zealot. He was fired up. And, and zealots in this time were people who were fired up about Israel. And, and zealots, though, they hated two groups of people. They hated Romans and they hated tax collectors. The most, right? And like Simon and Matthew hated each other. You gotta imagine they hated each other. 
But because of Jesus, these guys were at the same table and in the same family together. They even took road trips together. Imagine that. You sit back here. You sit there. You don't touch each other. Like, don't even talk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't make me reach back there. Like, you know what I'm talking about. That was probably Jesus, like, smacking people. Um, Anyways, but Simon and Matthew probably hated each other. Um, Like, here's the deal. In this family, in this church, you're going to have people who strongly disagree with you. There's going to be people who disagree with you. But stronger than your disagreement should be your love for each other. What if Christians could put aside their personal preferences and focus on Jesus? How great would our world be? See, the third person at the table was Judas. Judas was probably, honestly, considered to be the most successful person there. Uh, Reason why is because he was the treasurer. And you don't take an idiot or the most untrusted person and make them the treasurer. Um, Judas was proof, though, that you can be around Jesus, but never be in Christ. You can be around Jesus, but never be in Christ. I've met so many people who think just because they're in church, because they're around Jesus, that they're a Christian. See, going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. You may look like a cheeseburger, but it doesn't work. See, Jesus... <clears throat> Judas, in, in the eyes of the world, was a, was a very successful person. But he never fully bought in to the person of Jesus. See, I don't want this people, people in this room to die and to stand at the gates of heaven and realize that you were in church, but you weren't in Christ. See, if if you've ever doubted your salvation, or if you have questions about your salvation, then today is your day to get that right. Finally, Thomas. Um, I I feel like I connect with Thomas the most. Thomas was, he was skeptical. He was skeptical. Have you ever met a skeptical person? Right? Like, you could just say, like, I just had the best cheeseburger in the world. Like, no, you didn't. I, I don't believe it. Like, you, you they like, see it to believe it kind of people. Like, how many of you guys would admit you're skeptical? Well, I'll tell you what just happened. The real skeptical people didn't raise their hands. You're like, uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm, I might be, I don't know. See, but Thomas, he was the most skeptical disciple. In John 20, 24, like, what, here's what had happened. Before we get there, Jesus had, had already been raised from the dead. And Thomas, he was at the table. He was in Jesus' family for three years. He put all of his hope, all of his trust in Jesus. And he believed that following Jesus was worth it. And then all of a sudden, he sees Jesus crucified and ultimately died. Could we all agree that at that moment, we would probably experience doubt ourselves. You, you might have said, well, I, I can't believe in him anymore like, be, because he's dead now. Well, all of us would probably have some problems still believing in Jesus. See, after Jesus uh, died and he rose from the grave and he came back to the house, um, he's like, hey guys, I'm here. Like, and Thomas 
just happened to, the most skeptical guy, just happened to not be at the house when Jesus shows up. And, and so the other dis- disciples were there and they told him, and, and starting um, in verse 24, he says, they, they said, Jesus is alive like we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, uh, see his hands, the mark, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Like, that's pretty hardcore. That's not just like, okay, Jesus is right there, I believe. He's like, no, no, no. I gotta stick my hand in the side. Like, I gotta, like, yeah, I gotta, he's like, I got to physically see this and do this. And so, can we all agree that that's a skeptic? See, watch what happens. Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I could imagine why he said that. If the doors are locked, nobody's getting out, nobody's getting in. Oh, there's Jesus. You're going to be freaking out. I guarantee that. And he's like, Whoa, chill, dudes. He's like, Peace be with you. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, I can't explain every issue you may be going through. But if you've got doubts, you've got issues, I need to tell you this today, that Jesus is not intimidated by your doubts. He's not intimidated by your issues. He's not intimidated by your problems. I'd be willing to bet that there are some people in this room today, right now, at this moment, who have doubts. I'll stand up here and say that, that God is good or that we are a family and you're, you're like, man, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. Because you've gone through some things in your life and maybe you don't feel like you're a part of the family of Christ See, sometimes it's hard to believe in the goodness of God when we go through things sometimes. I can't tell you why sometimes bad things happen to good people, but I can tell you that he uses everything ultimately for the good because if Jesus can be beaten and die on a cross and be put in a tomb and come back to life, if he can, te- if he can do that, he can take whatever's dead inside of you and bring it back to life. Because that's who he is, and that's what he does. Could we have our our worship team come on up? Actually, could we go ahead and have our our prayer team come up as well? Um, I I saved Thomas for last in Jesus' family because I I know that some of us are very skeptical at times. We're we're skeptical about living this life of Christ and, and about his promises and about who he is. Like some of you in this room... You, you've turned your back on God. And today is the day that you can fix that relationship. Maybe you've, you've been like Simon, the zealot, and, and you, you've got an issue with somebody, a fellow believer, and maybe you've been at war. Today's the day to get that right. <clears throat> Remember when Jesus was preaching and he said this, he said, love your enemies and the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other. Not by the actions that you do, not by how you 
praise him in church, not by your church attendance, by loving your enemies. And then he says, the, the world will know by the way you love each other. Man, I want our world to know about Jesus. I want us to be a family that loves no matter what. Maybe you're here today and you're a lot like Judas. And, and you've been around Jesus, but you've never received Jesus. You've never asked him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. Maybe you're a Thomas and you've got questions and you've got doubts and you've got issues and you want to believe so badly. He's good. God is good and he cares. But because what has happened, you've got a hard time, you have a hard time believing. Today, this is your opportunity to lean in closer to Jesus and see him in a way that you've never seen him before. He may not change your circumstances, but he can change your heart. And that's the best kind of change that there is.